And I want to welcome everybody to the Metaphysical Mysteries. Uh, Terry and Tommy here with uh, another Tom, a Reverend Tom Brooks. He's a researcher, and the research we're going to be talking about today is related to hell and the concepts of hell, both in the Christian world and, and other religions and so forth. And I think it'll be very interesting. Tommy and I are going to be asking questions as if we know nothing. <laughs> and, and then and then Reverend Tom will be trying to answer us, direct us in the right way, because there's a tremendous amount of information, misconceptions out there as it relates to um, the concepts of hell and what all that means. Um, I do have the opportunity to do some exorcisms. So, you know, uh, I, I get the chance to lay hands on folks with that kind of a situation. But that's a lot different than uh, folks that are uh, trying to just understand the concepts and what's taught from the pulpit, what's not, and the history going way, way back even into the Old Testament. And so, um, Reverend Tom, are you ready to rock and roll? Let's give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Okay. Um, so obviously you've had some interest in, in this thing. I mean, I think you, uh, as you've explained to me, grew up kind of a Southern Baptist background. And, um, so let me just uh, start off and ask you here, um, what the hell is hell? Well, that's a very good question. It is a, uh, well, it depends on what, what uh, angle you're coming from. If you're talking about what the religions said or say versus what, it really is. I don't know exactly what it really is. I don't think anybody with any knowledge of, of hell can remember it in this lifetime, perhaps. Now, that's one thing I didn't uh, touch on is how this relates to uh, reincarnation. So I didn't get into that in this research. But hell is a place of purification, basically. Okay. And what are, what are we purifying ourselves from? Uh, basically, things that we pick up during this lifetime. Uh, anything that's not pure enough to um, be with uh, let's just say god okay whatever you want to call him god the creator whatever so so these would be what the typical christian church would call sins too many sins. too many sins in other words done things incorrectly wrong made mistakes and so this is a place of correction correction where you pick up the dross that you don't need for the the other afterlife Okay. And so the concept of hell from your research goes back. So when, when did all that begin? The concept of hell as we understand it through our Western religions in this country and some other countries too, where there's a place, an actual place of mm -hmm. fire and brimstone and the devil and all that stuff that make us afraid to die. Uh, where it came from was actually about year 400 uh, mm -hmm. I don't the, know if you want to call it AD or CE, either one. Right from the from the Christian Judeo Christian world, the basically the Roman Church. Yeah, when it's powerful, well, it still is. <laughs> I know they use several different names for hell and have in the past. You know, yeah. Sheol and uh, Hades and um, Gehenna, those kinds of things. Yes. Where do those all come from? Why do they have so many different names? They are referred to actually in the original scriptures often. And then the original scriptures was uh, basically Hebrew and then translated properly for the most part into Greek. And there was one other language, I forget what it was, that uh, they used also back then. 
it was a uh, talking about places after death, for instance, uh, Sheol and uh, Hades. Uh, that got mistranslated or misinterpreted, however you want to put it, into hell. And then later on, then some people put what hell is, added things to that, which we'll probably get into. But um, let's just take Sheol and Hades. That, that's just basically a grave or a pit or place place where dead are. And that's usually what it means. And it got misinterpreted and expanded considerable into some horrendous place. Right. Gotcha. It, it, I think they were talking about Aramaic was the other language. Just yeah, that, That's in there. There's one yeah. other one that I just can't think of right now. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, so tell us what we can expect when we all go to hell, if we do. Besides knowing everybody there. <laughs> Besides a big party, maybe. Actually, what you say is, a, as far as what people believe, is that a huge percentage of the American, or American <laughs> human population uh, is going to hell. Only a small percentage goes straight to heaven. And uh, the way people believe, they stay in hell forever which is another interesting interpretation. What was the question again? So, well, I'll follow up with that and just say, okay, if you're staying in hell forever, obviously research-wise, I probably found out that's probably not accurate. Um, you want to elaborate on that? Well, I, yeah, I can a little bit. The main word that they misinterpreted is aeon. That's a Greek word, A-I-O-N. And, and, it's, ad, and it's an adjective, aeonion. And they refer to an age time-wise, which an age, and, and both of them have the same parameters. Uh, as you know, adjective can't take on more uh, information than the verb. But anyway, the um, age has a beginning and an end, and uh, it got misinterpreted, or whether accidentally or on purpose, into eternal, forever, forever and ever, everlasting, and all that stuff. But uh, uh, it turned into that, and it's actually supposed to mean an age. It could mean a long age, but an age nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So what actually goes on while your soul is hanging around in hell? I mean, what what can we expect if, if uh, we're unlucky enough to end up there? Okay, uh, if we go to uh, the way I see it now, as opposed to a place of eternal uh, existence, um, which is eternal, conscious torture, punishment, with no remedial goals at all. But what we would see, I think, is if you look at it metaphysically more than literally, as it's written in the improper interpretation, uh, you'll have a self-imposed period of purification and correction so that you have whatever length of time it takes for you to burn off, that is physically speaking, not, not literal fire, but the spiritual fire. And it can be rather painful and excruciating, they say, they think. Uh, time to burn off this dross that we pick up in our lifetime so as to be, uh, rise slowly to a, a place of love and light considered heaven. Gotcha. Tommy, you have a question? Yeah, I mean, considering that everybody, or rather nobody lives the perfect life, 
what are some of like the thresholds that make the difference between going to hell and going other places? What's the difference? The threshold, like, you know, I, Oh, there's uh, not a, I don't think there's a specific threshold. Now I think, uh, the way it's understood, we're supposed to be like God, Christ, whatever. If we read, reach the Christ level, perhaps we will not have, we as a human, uh, humans all over, won't have to, uh, be purified at all we can go straight to heaven without any time spent in a purification process is that kind of the question you had i think so um you know where it's the purification for the sins yes. i don't think anybody goes through this process zero with zero sin i would say uh, even though jesus did they i remember reading jesus did go down to hell but i don't think that was because of his uh actions he meaning at the christ level which is the level we're supposed to aspire to mm -hmm. if we if we follow him uh may not have may not have to spend time in hell at all and it's self-imposed anyway uh, well we'll get into that probably a little later but um the time spent in hell varies greatly the way they understand uh, from a small amount of time to a, an enor enormous amount of time, depending on what needs to be done and the attitude of the soul itself. So then what it sounds like, intent has a lot to do in terms of dictating which way people go. Is that correct? Yes, yes. But the threshold, um, the whole idea in my, in the way it sounds like, the whole idea of becoming, uh, let's say a Christian is what we use the term here in the United States, becoming a Christian, accepting Jesus and being baptized, all that stuff. Um, you're the, the second death is what we're talking about, burning off the dross of, uh, of this life. If you do that on earth, it'll be a much less painful and easier experience than if you wait until after you die and have to do it in hell. Right. Um in your research, I've heard many people over the years say that they believe Earth is hell. There is a theory, metaphysical theory, that I read, the, the metaphysical authors I studied, that did say that we walk in hell and heaven every day here. And uh, there's something to be said for that, but uh, I, that's just not the uh, big picture as I see it. But there, there are some that wrote about that, yes. I think it's the people who are in some really bad personal relationships because we have all said those are hell. That that can be. I've been there. And actually, I think all those bad things are part of our soul development and one of the reasons why we are here. And, uh, you know, there's the in invariable question. If God is so good, why does he let thus and thus and whatever happen? Well, it's for our own development that we have to... Uh, experience those things and react properly in my opinion that's a part of why those things happen and karma has a lot to do with it and i throw in i didn't i didn't do this paper on uh, reincarnation but i think carnation carried over from previous lives sometimes have a lot to do with what life we end up with here uh, at this present time i know terry could probably talk more about that he's an expert in that area well you know um i want to go back to the the concept, everybody has a concept in their mind, what it's going to look like um, from 
well, media, modern media, and 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 in the day, I want to go back to Dante's Inferno <laughs> that book. Yeah, in Europe, medieval Europe, I think much of what we believe came from that particular book. You want to expand on that book and you know how that helped people develop this concept that we currently hold. Okay, we uh, of course the uh, original scriptures really did not explain it didn't talk about hell you didn't hear jesus and the apostles talking about you better be baptized or you're going to burn in hell forever they didn't say that not at all uh, but there was a uh, beginning about year 400 and i will talk about the guys later but that's where it started coming in heavy duty and became actually what is now permanent in the uh, bible and religions the western religions especially a place of permanent conscious torture called hell in our language um, that started out there was no of course they didn't have movies and all that stuff but dante's uh inferno, inferno yeah uh which is uh, part of that uh what was it called the whole whole long poem italian poem yeah anyway inferno was the stage play that gave the people a depiction, a visual depiction of what hell was like. And I believe there was nine levels of hell in that. And uh, starting at one, going to nine, it got worse and worse. And uh, it, that gave people a picture of what hell was like and kind of introduced the fire and brimstone and the torture and all that stuff forever. And that stuck. And it became, after Dante, uh, Divine Comedy, that was the name of the, uh, the right. big long poem. And Inferno was one of those in that. But uh, then we got to the movies and especially all the stuff we got now with the internet and uh, computers and all that. It Hell can be really depicted as a nasty place and a literal, although non-consuming, fire for an eternity for a few years here on earth of misdeeds. That just don't seem just to me. Yeah, I was going to say it. I noticed um, the character of God you know, is love, love, and more love, forgiveness, love, all that sort of thing. So to subject him subjecting, and I use him in a sense yeah, that understand. I know it, right, um, <clears throat> to subject his children to never stopping, you know, unlimited torture um, doesn't seem very loving in and of itself. Uh, correction is what a parent does do but i you know if you're a parent yourself can you imagine sending one of your kids to a place of torture forever that is one topic that was hit on by every author that i studied research and uh, the fact that god is depicted in the bible and i think uh, for the most part the bible is an excellent book it's just in the hands of humans, they kind of messed up some of it. And for whatever reason, perhaps power and uh, fear and keeping their money coming in or whatever. I don't know exactly, but because of that, they use this. They developed this theory of a concept, I'll say, of hell to maintain control and, and their positions and things. But the uh, character of God is depicted in the Bible as omnibenevolent, which is all good. Of course, he's all powerful and all knowing too. But as far as being our relationship with him, omnibenevolent, which is everything good and just and right, 
but for him to, and we, we're part of, a little bit of part of him, that's where we came from. So we have that feeling internal in us from day one. Then we know what's right and wrong, even if people think, I like to say they don't once in a while. But uh, is it right to create billions of people knowing that I'll just say 95% of them are going to hell and using the current concept of hell in the religious organizations, most of them, forever. Right. Consciously being tortured for a few years here on Earth. And uh, and there's other things involved, too, as, well, as far as babies that die quickly, mentally ill, people that never hear of, um, never touch the Bible. Uh, it's just not fair. Right. And it doesn't seem right from a God that's benevolent omnibenevolent, all good. Uh, but if the Bible indicates that he hates evil, and if you die and he uh, takes it the way I learned it, he judges you as bad. You go to hell and he hates you forever. He goes from loving to hate because of a few years on earth. That, that seems a little uh, difficult to accept. So, I mean, a lot of people, and I'm sure you're the same, you know, as a little kid grew up sitting in the pews, trying not to fall asleep, but um, then they started uh, hellfire and brimstone preaching back in the day, yeah. especially popular. Um, now, um, as a full-grown adult, educated in all sorts of different things, especially the research you've done here, if you could stand up as a little kid, seven years old or whatever, and back in the day, if you could stand up and say, hey, this isn't right, what would you tell them? I would tell him I agree now, but uh, as a little kid, you know, you raised from day one in a church like that. And you don't, once you learn something, and that's the way it is. You just don't question it. And you don't, and really, you really don't think about it. You put it in the back of your mind and uh, you don't worry about every day you're dying and going to hell, but you think about it once in a while. And man, am I going to make it or not? Because of this big guy on a throne and, uh, you talk to the more metaphysical people. The one one author actually was uh, getting his information from dead spirits. Mm -hmm. That was a very good book, by the way. And uh, the one of the dead persons he uh, was interviewing, I guess you call it interviewing, but he talking to him. Uh, he said, "No, you're you're the uh, victim, or the person, and the judge, and the jury, all your own." And and many of the life between lives books, they say you cover your whole whole life after you die. Uh, perhaps what's your spirit guide or some other people helping you, but uh, spirits, I should say, they're not, they're all dead. But uh, anyway, he's saying that you are the judge and the jury and you sentence yourself and there's no better person because we're internally, we're supposed to do what's right. We know that. And uh, you send yourself to the applicable level of hell for your situation. And you, uh, get purified there and gradually rise as you're changing and purifying yourself. And did you, that was a very interesting theory. Say, did you get ever a consistency in uh, the description of hell beyond the Dante style, but I'm people that have uh, maybe more metaphysical, maybe uh, uh, psychics or clairvoyance or, or whatnot, some channel, did they give you, or did you find a consistency? I guess what I'm getting at, what it actually looks like. No, but it's all different with everybody. But the, the uh, metaphysical people, it's a level 
God is light, okay? God is love and light, right? That's primarily what he is. That's heaven. And uh, hell is lack thereof, lack of light and lack of uh, love. So if you're a really, let's just say a really bad person, an uh, atheist, whatever you want to call, you're really bad and you need a lot of correction, you go down to a, a low level, which is no light and no love, and you start there and you have to deal with your sins that you judge for yourself that you need correction in. And uh, it can be excruciating, they say, but then you rise from there and there are helpers from the uh, higher side come down to uh, attempt to guide them upward. We'll say upward is rising to the light and love. So as far as a depiction of you're going to go there and a guy in a red suit's going to poke you in the rear end with a fork. Uh, no, nobody talked about that. And is there a literal fire, consuming fire, like uh, Augustine and those guys uh, tried to say it was? No, there's not that. There's spiritual fire, which is uh, the tongue. Is uh, Our tongue here on earth has been described in the Bible as fire because it's so painful to people when you misuse it. That's right. the kind of spiritual fire that we're dealing with, and it can be painful to your spirit. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking going back in history, if you were to point to one particular saint or <laughs> particular um, whatever um, bishop or, or cardinal or, or some other kind of religious leader um, that turned this into what we refer to now as hell and as common conception of hell, who would that be? Yes, I will give you three people that... Uh, there, there's several people involved, of course, but three people that are heavy duty that actually really done us a number as a human human race. But uh, as far as the pictorial stuff, we have to give that to Dante because he really gave us a picture of it uh, based on what, especially one of these three that I'm going to mention, uh, determined it would be. <laughs> he made it for all of us. We started out with Tertullian. He was in the Roman church, Latin. Um, and this turned into the Catholic Church. I don't know if they were Catholic then, but uh, I'm not running Catholics down. This is just the way it was. Tertullian uh, in North Africa, he was uh, determined that he needed to translate the scriptures into Latin. And he used old Latin. So he did that and done fairly well, but he did throw in a few times Eternius, which is, uh, I don't know if I spelled Anyway, the eternal from Latin, eternal. And then after that was Jerome. He took Tertullian's old Latin, translated it into basically classical Latin, improved Latin part, but he added more eternal words where aeon was or sheol, whatever, those uh, time-related words, and they really picked up a forever eternal everlasting meaning then and then came the big guy saint augustine i just call him augustine i don't like the saint part on there because he was <laughs> he, he really done us a number but uh, he actually come up with burning in hell forever for your sins and also the election the selection whatever you want to call it where everybody's born and you're either going to be in the elect group going to heaven or not and uh, so most of the and almost all the people were in that category 
they would live their life here, no matter what they did for the most part. And if they'd followed what he said, I don't know why they went to church at all, if that's the case. But uh, let's just say that 95% of the people going to hell, burning forever in hell consciously. And uh, he got in a little bit of trouble for that because there people worried about their little babies that died when they were a day old or a week old or their mentally ill people or the people that never read the Bible or what, for whatever reason, wasn't their fault that they didn't read the Bible and do whatever it is that they said they had to do. And uh, so, well, okay, we'll make a lesser hell for those people. It wasn't the real bad hell, but it wasn't heaven either. It's still bad, uh, but not terrible bad. So I don't know if that's where purgatory started or whatever, but, uh, uh, he came up with that and um, one thing about Augustine that I found very interesting when he was uh, rising in the church he was uh, took a Greek tried to learn Greek he hated it done poorly in it and, uh, and he said he hated Greek but he's the one that made a determination that Aeon meant forever. He, he added a definition to the term aeon, the Greek, and, and it was forever, eternal. So uh, he, being poor in Greek, decided to translate Greek into Latin, saying it means eternal now. <laughs> well, you get the guy who got a D minus in class. And, and he's, he's the, the one that made the to, rule. Yeah, he's the guy who gets to translate. Oh, that's and perfect. Basically, that's like a thing to do. I'm sorry. That was like a very human thing to do. A human, yes. Yeah. And uh, and basically from that point on, it is permanent in the main church of the time, and it just kept going. And uh, I, you want me to go a little further with that? Sure. The, uh, uh, the uh, Jerome, when he translated from Tertullian the, uh, into classical Latin, the scriptures, it became the, what's known as the Vulgate, the Catholic Vulgate, which is still around. Now, when uh, Tinsdale, I believe it is, yeah. uh, interpreted the Bible from Latin to English, Old English, but English nonetheless, he basically used the Vulgate. So there's not a whole lot of difference between the English version of the his Bible from the Latin version that uh, Jerome and Augustine had tremendous influence on. Then came 1611, a little bit before that, but 1611 when the, the um, King James Version that's still around and big, big deal around in this part of the country still uh, was authorized by nonetheless uh, King James. Uh, <laughs> plus a few others. But uh, it doesn't say it a whole lot, but Tinsdale's version which is basically vulgate with some minor modification because he got in trouble they kind of kicked him out of the church after a while um, they use that plus some other stuff too but uh, there's a tremendous influence of the catholic vulgate that jerome and augustine had in our king james version of the bible which that's uh, used a lot for translation also so yeah. let me ask you so a lot of these uh, very fundamentalist Christian preachers, and I'm sure this is probably true in all the religions, but they believe that what's in the Bible is absolute 100% word of God type stuff. They'll say it in a variety of different ways. 
but from what you're saying, the, the translations have been muddied through the years um, from poor scholarship to just not fully understanding. And so what we're left with is uh, a misunderstanding of what hell is and isn't, what it should and shouldn't be, and what it does for us or doesn't do for us. Uh, and we're, so we're in a bit of a quagmire. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's about what you're saying. So why is it, do you think, that uh, current people that are behind the pulpit either don't know this stuff or choose not to express it if they do know it? Well, that, that's an excellent question, and I don't have a complete answer because my opinion currently is that the Bible is a pretty darn good book. And uh, some of the areas, uh, whether intentional or accidental, uh, have been misinterpreted to create this really a horrible thing uh, called hell as we understand it. Uh, hell, as it was intended, I think, is not a bad thing. It's a correctional place, just like you do your kids, correctional place to become perfect again. But uh, why I think the way Augustine did it, I think he done it for his own uh, power. Keep the people afraid and them as a necessary service to possibly save them from burning forever in hell. Uh, because the Old Testament didn't say anything about hell. They didn't talk about afterlife at all, hardly. Mm -hmm. You didn't hear the uh, Jesus or the apostles talking about hell at all. They, they uh, told you to be good to the widows and the poor people and the kids and all that. They didn't tell you to to uh, do all this other stuff that's required. If they, if it was going to be a case of you're probably going to go to hell and burn forever, they'd have been talking about that every minute. Right. Unless well, they didn't yeah. care about you. Yeah, and then we talk about um, brimstone too, you know, and brimstone back, okay. back in the ancient days was actually um, used for purification. That's that's what it is, yes. Yeah. Hell, and, hell, fire, and brimstone. Well, fire, spiritual. Light. Uh, yeah, the, the spiritual fire and yeah. brimstone that's all a purification thing. Fire was a purification, purifier, too, right? Absolutely. And so, you get to uh, the very last part of Revelation, you get the lake of fire, and what happens in the end, which is probably a long time away from now, but uh, Hades and death are thrown into the lake of fire. Well, if, if Hades is hell, it wouldn't bother them right exactly <laughs> uh anyway the lake of fire is not hell it's a purification process and that's where the, everything's going to end up that needs it i was going to say that makes a lot of sense what you just said and with haiti's going to be thrown into the lake of fire well that would be yep. why even say it if it's the same thing you know but the lake of fire is a purification even of hades or hell yep Yep. So it makes it an intermediary place. Now, a lot of um, clairvoyants and uh, people who do, you know, altered states, um, they indicate a couple of things that I'm aware of that hell is like a labyrinth of different places and things so that you can't find your way out. They talk about that. Um, they talk about the inhabitants of hell it was supposed to be for fallen angels, not technically for man. Um, no. You know, there's a oh, lot. Oh, that's, that's Tartarus. 
Yes, exactly. And so we come from all that. And, and, and then the idea of limbo or um, purgatory, uh, a lot of people will say, and I'll just say this from a metaphysical point of view, when they're talking to deceased, there's when you die, I always say there's, you know, two, two different kinds of dead people. You got your people go to the light and you get your people who hang out in the gray um, is the way I kind of see it. Um, and the gray are the earthbounders. They haven't went to the light yet. Uh, what we would commonly refer to is the things that go knock in the middle of the night. In other words, ghosts. Um, so yeah, the, it looks exactly the same for them. The reason it's gray is because psychics and so forth interpret it when they're there visiting that it is all gray. And they, oftentimes they talk about, it looks like they've got like blinders, horse blinders on. They can see this way, but they hardly ever look up. So you actually have to tell them to look up um, for light to know where to go. Um, and they, the longer they're there, the more difficult, more confused they, they really are. And then below the gray is some people call it blackness, the further they come into a lot of different names. And that was what they would call for all practical purposes, hell. And so. Um, that's possible. I, I don't know. That's, that's beyond what I was studied, but uh, it would seem to me that people that die and don't go to the light, they don't get a chance to review their life so as to uh, uh, get, judge themselves for whatever purification process they need to go through. It's possible a different route that, they'll have to do eventually yeah eventually eventually tommy do you have something on that yeah not that specific but i do have a question in all your research tom one thing that i run into with people i work with is suicide you know either attempts or completions and there's always that fear of if that happens i'm going to quote unquote hell and yet earlier you mentioned how in your your work you identify god however the listeners are defining that as very compassionate and forgiving in your research did you find anything around this you know how that's reconciled and what may be the quote-unquote truth of this yes they talked about that uh, not very often it, it was infrequent but they did discuss suicide and that's something you shouldn't do because uh you will have to that's that's a uh a flaw that you have from this life and it will have to be purified and you'll have to go to hell and uh, a self-imposed hell, whatever level you need to be so as to purify that problem. Does that uh, get into reincarnation, your contract with God, let's say, for this life, what you're here to do, you violated that by quitting early. <laughs> and uh, it, it's not something that's going to send you to hell forever. But uh, yeah, you'll have to deal with that one way or another. So as I'm listening to you, the impression I'm getting um, to simplify this is hell sounds like I'm going to summer school to make up the lesson. Well, the summer school I went to wasn't too bad, but uh, it, it's, uh, I imagine it's a little worse, uh, harsh summer school. <laughs> but yes, everybody uh, that's not perfect on earth, when you die, you're going to have to be purified so as to get perfect, so as to... Uh, uh, be in heaven let's say okay. it's it's come more complicated than that and i can't answer everything because if i've been there i can't remember it right now <laughs> so i think we all, we all if you believe in reincarnation we come here with uh, amnesia is that correct terry yeah and uh so 
what it's like exactly. I really leaned on the, the uh, spirits that were dead that were talking to the author that wrote through the, them about how it's a self-imposed hell and it's unique to them. But because everybody's part of the whole, we're all one in a sense spiritually, that all these human minds over the eons have developed a kind of a system, levels of hell from darkness to light, which is heaven. And uh, because we are small creators in our own sense, we have created a just a huge amount of uh, variations of hell. And you will be part of that self-imposed and add your little unique part to that um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you're describing, of course, our social conditioning uh, in, I'll say, in America, at least, if not elsewhere in the world. Did, um, did you find other uh, religions have a different varying view of, of hell? From what we have here? Yeah. Oh, yes. The Eastern, I make that in a big general term. That's what the book's called. We're the Western churches and then the Eastern churches, Asians and things like that. They don't believe in an eternal hell at all for the most part. I'm sure there's exceptions, but uh, uh, we're us in the United States with our primary religions are burning hell consciously forever. If you didn't make the grade and the Eastern is you will be uh, ultimate salvation, but you'll be in a, uh, purification process that's what i read is that's uh, that's how they feel what i'm coming up with with these uh, improper interpretations they developed eternal hell right yeah it's i think it is a developmental process and usually when uh, people invent something it's for control purposes well, it's funny you asked that because or mentioned that because when they made the the king james version king james he had done a good thing by trying to get that all together, but there were rules to follow uh, for those interpreters that they had no control over, even if they wanted to interpret it differently. He wanted to maintain his power and the leaders of the churches at the time, which primarily the Roman church, some Jewish people, but um, I don't know all of them that were in there. I didn't study that that hard, but uh, there were rules to follow and certain things could not be put in there or they had to make sure they put in to the text, some of their belief, which included the eternal hell, Augustine stuff. Right, right, exactly. Well, if you were in a kind of a wrap up here, if you were going to teach a Sunday school class to a bunch of little ones under 10 years old, and they ask about this hell situation, how would you address that? I would try to address it by doing what is taught in the Bible, being kind to others. I think our basic uh, reason for being here is how we treat others mm -hmm. and uh, be a good person. And everybody should know, unless they just trying to mask over what they know really deep inside. Everybody knows what's right and wrong. Uh, you don't need all these laws to know that you're treating people right or wrong. Be good to others. Live a good, honest life. And uh, if, if I was in a specific reg uh, 
religion, I'd have to say what they wanted you to do, you know, be baptized or, or take communion every Sunday, whatever, whatever the situation is. Right. But uh, basically, be a good person. Yeah. I don't know what Jesus said different than that. <laughs> right, right. Tommy, you have any wrap-up questions? No, I think it was very insightful. Um, you know, growing up at this point in my life, or till this point in my life, you hear so many different versions of what it is and what it's not. And um, to have a clearer picture of what the literature and what history has told us when we take away the control pieces, uh, I think is insightful for me and for the audience. You know, I joke about the summer school thing, but it almost like you sign up for a, a course in remediation and you pick the topics that you need to remediate. Is yes. Oh, I'm hearing it. Yeah. But the, the, th the biggest thing is that they just made hell where there was no remedial um, goals at all. They weren't trying to correct anything. And for Jesus or God to have perfect justice, you know, he's supposed to be just in everything perfectly. For us to burn in hell forever for a sin in this short life we have is not just at all. And anybody can see where that's just not right. I mean, uh, that's why they had the, what is it, the mosaic code of justice, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Well, here we let's say we poke somebody's eye out here on earth and you're going to suffer forever in hell for it. Well, suffer for a little while, but uh, maybe not forever. And that's, that's very interesting. It's a, he's supposed to have perfect justice. Yeah. And it comes back to the following lifetime. If you're a reincarnation believer that uh, you might have the eye out the next lifetime. That's very possible. That's and I, and I would actually, I'm going to, probably look at that sometime is how reincarnation and this concept of hell uh, whether it be the burning hell or forever or, or a remedial type corrective place uh, i want to see how that try to get some information about that because i can't explain it right now yeah all plays out well uh fantastic i mean i i think and i want to point out to all the listeners and the viewers Listen, uh, what Tom has done here um, has is research, research and research. You know, back in the day, you had to go, everything was handed down, you know, back in the Jesus day. And even before that, you had to memorize it by, you know, oh, yes. the year and you had to do that. Then eventually it got to the point where it was on scrolls, but then you had to be literate to be able to read those and then got to Latin and you had to have the priests read it to you. And yeah. that's, that's also subject to his interpretation. And then eventually we get to the printing press, you know, and then it came out in German and it came out in English and all the other things with the printing press where we got to read it ourselves. But now with the internet, we can go right to the source documents ourselves and get ton of information that can bring you to your own conclusions which is what we're always supposed to seek and you shall find yes that's okay. important yes seek and that's what reverend tom here has done he's sought out the truth related to hell and i hope today here at the metaphysical mysteries of course metaphysical meaning being above uh above physical and this is certainly above physical we can't see it so we have to use a lot of other ways to to measure and research and and deduct 
what we're headed to. And that's what we're trying to do here at the Metaphysical Mysteries. And I want to thank uh, Reverend Tom for coming. Oh, on. Can I throw something else in there? Yeah, what you just brought up? Many of these authors said exactly what you're saying. The way to figure out the truth, and, and because the Hebrew basically is not around anymore, most of the Greek is, but the original scriptures, you're going to have our time getting to those and have actually be able to read them properly. There are okay. some experts, though, but they indicate that the best way to do it, and especially in, in some of the courses you take, is uh, uh, meditation. You meditate yourself to learn your own truth, and you'll get the real truth there. Absolutely true. No doubt. You've taught that before yourself. Oh, yes. Meditation instructor. (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on and explaining hell for uh, those of us who have no clue or maybe we're misinformed and at least um, I would say if they had to read one book beyond the Bible, they had to read one book uh, to get into this, what book would you recommend to them if they wanted to look into this a little bit deeper? Uh, boy, it, it's a, one of the Life Between Lives books is excellent to step into it. Okay. Because you're learning about what happens after you die, and it's not just going to hell immediately. You, yeah. you review, review your life. But there's, I like, can I look it up here just a minute? Sure. Yeah, just a second. Sure. Uh, I, I just can't remember the title of it. Well, we got the journey of souls. That's always a good one for people who are interested in seeing where their soul is beginning from and coming into oh. life and then leaving. So this was my favorite. Okay. It was by Stafford Betty, B-E-T-T-Y. Heaven and Hell Unveiled, Updates from the World of Spirit. That's where he was talking to dead spirits to get an idea of what the afterlife was about. What was the name? Of that it? was an excellent book. What was the name of it again? Uh, Heaven and Hell Unveiled, Updates from the World of Spirit. Okay. That was my favorite. I mean, there were there was a ton of good ones, but uh, that was my favorite to read. I liked it the best. Okay. Outstanding. So... Heaven or hell, heaven or hell unveiled, folks, um, revealed. So that's that's cool. Very cool also. So, all right. Well, very good. Tom, you got any closing? Tom, are you got any closing uh, comments? No, I just want to say thank you. Appreciate your insights and, you know, your candor and the research that you have done and accomplished and man, great work and look forward to hearing the work you're doing in the future. No, you're welcome. I like talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's fun. Well, I'll see you guys all in hell. Oh, I mean, heaven. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Perhaps both. Yeah, perhaps both. Yes. I'll I'll be the guy at the uh, margarita bar. So so for all of our listeners and uh, all of our watchers, uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us on this. A very interesting topic. And until next time, Uh, Tom Terry and the other Tom uh, signing off and we'll see you next time. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you.